Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast. An exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to episode number... 27. 27. We're getting up there, guys. This is exciting. And if you love our podcast, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. At Modern Yogi Podcast. Modern Yogi Podcast. Yes. The name again is at Modern Yogi Podcast. <laughs> so Send us any DMs, any, any questions, that you concerns, about. love messages. Yep. We're here we're, for it. We're here for it. We started a little segment at the beginnings called Golden Nuggets. So previous nuggets were that the nature of the soul is happiness, but when we identify with the material body, we lose touch with our natural happiness. And as long as we remain out of touch with our nature, we're going to have to come back here. And we, if we search for happiness in external things, we're going to have to keep coming back and over have another and chance over to learn and over again. Right, all the lessons that we just haven't been learning. So this brings us to the golden nugget of today. Yoga, not just the asana part, which means like the poses, the downward dogs, all of that, but yoga is a way of getting back in touch with our nature. And that is our mm. true nature. Yeah. As a spiritual soul. Yes. Beautiful. Because yoga is a Sanskrit word, right? What does yoga mean? It's a great question. I've heard to, it means union, union like to, union yeah, with God, connect, with the divine. Right? Yes. Yeah. So that's why when we talked about, for example, karma yoga, karma means action and yoga means union. So connecting to Krishna through our action, mm, our yes. work, our dharmas. I love that. And we want to do a quick synopsis of our last episode. I got it. Yes. All right. Go for it, Priya. So basically, it was a little bit more... Uh, more of the same of the previous one in which we were talking, Krishna was basically like, these are all the ways in which people can make sacrifices, right? Yes, and they he gave a whole bunch of different So many different examples. ones. Like you can stop breathing and then breathe again, or you can um, give away money, or you can have very strict vows, or you mm -hmm. can um, go through self-realization. You can and study the Vedas. There's yeah. just so many different ones. Yes, and different ways of sacrifice. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately none of these lead to Krishna consciousness, they're good stepping stones. Hopefully you kind of find Krishna through those. But if you want to go directly to the original path so you don't have to continue coming life after life after life back mm -hmm. to learn the lessons, then you focus on Krishna and that's like the ultimate path. Yes. Mm. Yes. Love that. Beautiful. That's it. Alrighty. Invocation <laughs> prayers. Yes, please. Oh my Gyanati Mirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Shakshurun Militam Yena that's my Shri Gurave Namaha. Translation. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. Mm. All right. So awesome. we are on chapter four, text number 31. 31. Let's do it. Yep. Oh, best of the Kuru dynasty. Without sacrifice, one can never live happily on this planet or in this life, what then of the next? Okay, so this is Krishna talking to Arjuna, and he is calling Arjuna, oh, best of the Kuru dynasty. Mm. Like, he's calling him, he's like, hey, dude, Such you are nickname. the best, okay? <laughs> the, the name of your dynasty is the Kuru dynasty, and you are the best of that dynasty. So this is what Krishna addressing Arjuna. Yes, yes. Okay. And so basically, he was talking about all the different types of sacrifices in the previous one, and he's now kind of putting it together by saying, if you don't do any of these things, you actually can be happy in this lifetime and imagine the next one, right? Because yes. you will have a next one if you don't do any sacrifices. Yeah. And we talked endlessly in previous episodes about the importance of sacrifice and what that means and what we need to do. And so sacrifice does help us live happily, live peaceful lives. Yeah. And so when you don't have any sacrifice in your life... Womp womp. Yeah, it just right. basically means... <laughs> yes, womp womp. Uh, it basically just means like... Uh, 
giving up something of value to get something greater, right? Yes. right. That's like the gist of sacrifice. Just Great definition a, of sacrifice, yeah. actually. I like that. Helpful. Yeah. And in the purport, it breaks it down. So whatever form of material existence we're in, we're, going, we're ignorant of our real situation, meaning like our real eternal position as servants of Krishna. So in other words, existence in this material world is due to different reactions of past sinful lives. So as we've talked about, like, whatever we desire or whatever actions we perform in previous lives, we're going to reap the results in this life. We're creating our future and our, not only our future in this life, but in the lives to come. Yeah. And ignorance is the cause of sinful life. And we've talked about this before. Ignorance, not even like you are so ignorant, but just not being aware of what is, what is the purpose. point of all this? What yeah. is the purpose? I mean, even ignorance, just like the sake of ignorance. Like I, when I think of ignorance, I think about the mode and what that means. Like just right. lazing around, not having a goal for yourself, letting right. yourself go. Sometimes that could be true or like binge watching things, binge eating, like oh, ignorance yes. in a general sense. It's not going to help you in, in your path, in any right. kind of path, right. right? Yes. In any kind of path. But, uh, Ignorance in the sense of non, uh, the knowledge is where we're like transcendental knowledge is really, you know, right. We're so seeking. we're ignorant. We don't know all of this transcendental knowledge. We yes. don't know that we're eternally servants of Krishna. We're trying to use this human form of life to get out. So it basically says ignorance is the cause of sinful life. And then a step further, sinful life is the cause of dragging on in the material existence and not getting out. It's kind of the, the rat Stuck race. Stuck in the rock race. Yeah. Right. And the last line here that I love, the human form of life is the only loophole. Ash, I, almost I, love, I love loopholes. loopholes. Yeah, yeah. I love loopholes. <laughs> yeah, the only loophole that we may get out of this entanglement. Okay, out what does of the that rat mean? Race. What does that mean? So basically this human form of life that we've been given, like we've already established whether you're an animal, a plant, a human, we all have a soul within. Yes. But through the human body, it's an opportunity. It's a vehicle that we have higher thinking, higher reasoning abilities, a higher level of consciousness yes. that we can channel to trying to make the most progress. Yep. Because in the animal kingdom, they're all so preoccupied by eating, sleeping, and mating that if we only do that in this human form of life, we're, we're no better wasting. than an animal. Yes. It's the, that yeah. We're missing the point. Mm. Yeah. And that's what we talked mm. about, illusion. When something is seems to be something, but it's not. So we're just engaging, getting more tangled in illusion through ignorance if we don't try to utilize, utilize yeah. this human form of life. Have yeah. either of you had um, existential crises during oh, the pandemic? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Every other day. Where you're, yeah, right? <laughs> Where it's like this pandemic was actually pretty interesting where it's like it makes you think of like what is the point of life what is important spending time with people because life is short like like yes. pe so many people died during this pandemic and it was like I think a lot of people started asking bigger questions mm. and I and what what Shamali is trying to say is like humans can ask those existential questions right yeah. animals cannot are not in the place to ask those questions so they can't elevate their soul right to another higher body but humans we can have those crises yeah. As much as they drive us crazy, those crises are important because they make us ask deeper questions. They make us think. Yes. And right. think like, wait, yeah. what? And the moment we start as human beings asking deeper questions, that is the beginning of our spiritual life. Yes. Right, right. Yes. And I love it because in a way negative things become something that can a catalyst for growth and for change. As they say, diamonds are made out of heat, right? So I have a really close lifelong friend of mine. The first time she was going through an existential crisis, I told her, this is fantastic. And she looked at me with like a, what are you talking about? And I was like, yeah, because this propelled her to have to search deeper into all these deeper questions. So yeah, I wanted to say something to add to Shama Singita's point. I was talking to someone the other day and they were sharing with me. So in Krishna, consciousness sometimes devotees will go out and like 
either give away or sell books that are uh, Bhagavad Gita or yes. just self-realization and different books. And they'll go out to the, well, here to the beach or whatever locations. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. And uh, they were, someone was sharing with me that in the last couple of months after the pandemic, they've been selling seven times as many Mm, like wow. they were selling maybe seven times. Yeah. Seven times as many uh, books as they were before the pandemic. So, so you're right. right. Like a lot of people are existential have, have the chance to kind of shake their lives. Right. Because every, every person uh, lives an everyday life um, just doing the same things. Right. Yes. And we kind of get caught over up in and that. And so when you have an opportunity to kind of get out of that everyday life, then you might realize, wait a second, what is all of this about? Right. Yes. And so, yeah, a lot of people came out of the pandemic thinking like, wait a second, what is life about? And it's good. It's good to yeah. ask those deeper questions. For sure. Right. It's like growing pains. You, grow, you, you, you have the opportunity, depending on how you see it, to grow through the discomfort. Perfect. All right. Text, what was it, 32? 32. Yes. All these different types of sacrifice are approved by the Vedas, and all of them are born of different types of work. Mm. Knowing them as such, you will become liberated. Interesting. Okay. So here, right, is basically outlining that there's different types of sacrifices, as mentioned in the Vedas, that suit different types of workers. Because as we had said at one point, Krishna was... Different types of workers. Work. 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 No errs. Different types of worker. Where are you seeing workers? Where are you seeing In worker? the purport. Oh, my bad. <laughs> we're, we were looking at the verse. Sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, yeah, the first Wait line of the purport that, uh, well, different types of work or people doing oh, the work. Oh, because it suits different types of worker. Right, right, right. I see, right. I see. So, so no, sorry about that. We were like, what? We no, apologize. No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. So now we are getting somewhere. <laughs> so uh, yeah, people have different propensities. And it, we had talked about it in a different episode that it's like a sliding scale. Wherever you're at in the path, Krishna wants you to come to him. So if you can't do this, do this. If you can't do this, do that. So it continues to say men are so deeply absorbed in this bodily concept, meaning we think we're the body. So even though we might hear a hundred million times in the Gita, you're not the body, you're not the body, you're not the body. Mm. And you might feel like, I get it. Do you get it? Really? Are you imbibing me? And do you really live by that principle and get it, get it? So because men are so deeply attached to this bodily concept, then these sacrifices are arranged that one can work either with the body, number two, with the mind, or number three, with the intelligence. Mm. So they can utilize those three aspects. So whatever their propensities are, they can do sacrifices in different whatever suits their nature, so to speak. Yeah. So in this case, the word work is also referring to karma, right? So it's kind right, of saying like right. these sacrifices, uh, the different types of sacrifices are kind of born out of people's desires and their, and their karmas from previous life. So they're like put as an impersonalist because that's yeah. where their karma and desires and everything kind of lined up with. Right. right. And they're giving the opportunity to use their abilities to get closer to Krishna through those slowly. Right, yes. right, right. So it says, yeah, all of them are recommended for ultimately bringing about liberation from the body. So we really need to try to detach from this concept of this body is totally me. And it's just like a coat I'm putting on in this life. And when I pass away, I'm going to take it off and my soul will continue and I'll put on a different coat in the next life. So if we get attached to the body, we're getting attached to the thing that's temporary material and will die at the end of our lives. True that. Right. True that. True that. <laughs> <laughs> Text 33, Shamali. All righty. O chastiser of the enemy, the sacrifice performed in knowledge is better than the mere sacrifice of material possessions. After all, O son of Prita, 
All sacrifices of work culminate in transcendental knowledge. Okay, so who's so speaking Kr- Krishna here? Krishna is talking to Arjuna. He mm-hmm. is calling him the chastiser of the enemy. Oh. He's mm-hmm. already getting him excited. Lawmaker. To, yeah, to, to get him excited <laughs> about the Law enforcer, sorry. The law enforcer, okay. Mm. So Krishna is talking to Arjuna and he's saying the sacrifice performed in knowledge is better than sacrificing your material possessions. What does right. that mean? Because the purpose of all sacrifice is to co- arrive to the status of complete knowledge. This whole chapter mm-hmm. is transcendental right. knowledge. And then gain release from material miseries. And then ultimately beyond that, be able to engage in loving transcendental service of the Lord. It's like what we were talking about. All these sacrifices, um, if you don't understand the purpose of them, they're like temporary. They're not as helpful, right? Like the sacrifices that we make in Krishna consciousness come from the knowledge that Krishna is the supreme. But a sacrifice of like breathing through one nose and then that all of that is like a like a bodily material sacrifice that you're making that is just for the material possessions or like coming from from a material experience, right? right? Does that Krishna, make sense? Yeah, Krishna doesn't want you to be like, okay, Krishna, I'm going to get close to you now. Now you can have my iPad and my iMac and my iPods. <laughs> like you're not supposed to be, like that <laughs> sacrifice of your material possessions is not as powerful as like like getting deeper into the knowledge right. of Christian consciousness. Right. Yes. I love that how you say deeper into the knowledge because even in the purport it says there is a mystery about all these different activities of sacrifice and one should know this mystery. So what is the mystery? Well, the next line says, sacrifices sometimes take different forms according to the particular faith of the f- performer. Interesting. So that's kind of hinting at like, okay, depending on where they're at, there's different types of sacrifices they can engage in. But when one's faith reaches this, the stage of transcendental knowledge, the performer of the sacrifices should be considered more advanced than those who simply sacrifice material possessions. So as Shama's saying, like, have my iPad, have my phone, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, that's okay. But the the performer of sacrifices is more advanced if you go beyond just sacrificing those material possessions without having knowledge. So, I mean, in this case, is it also talking about material possessions? Is it just talking about things or is it also talking about the previous sacrifices that we were talking about? Like, for example, the impersonalists give up mm-hmm. their personality and that's mm-hmm. also right. material, right? Like I think it kind of involves all the other sacrifices that we just talked about and yes. saying that it's just not the greatest thing to do. Yep. Right. right. It's like, right. like we said, it's not the ultimate goal. It's not the thing, but if it's like, it, it, it so happens that you're born with a certain karma and all the desires that you have. And so you're put in this position. So it's, you know, you can fulfill that and then find Krishna. <laughs> right. So basically without the attainment of this transcendental knowledge, whatever sacrifice remains on the material platform and don't have as much spiritual benefit. We have to go in with the intention of we're, we're offering this to Krishna. Yeah. There's something yeah. I highlighted in the purport that's without the elevation of knowledge. So like understanding what the most important thing is, sacrifices are simply material activities, meaning mm. it's not yeah. going to help us. Yeah. That makes all sense. Right. Right. So basically it's the best. It says when the end is knowledge, the end goal is knowledge of the Supreme. Yeah. Perfect. Wonderful. All right. Text number 34. Priyadarshani. Just try to learn. I'm going to try that again. Just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master or a spiritual guru. Inquire from him submissively and render service unto him. The self-realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because they have seen the truth. So there is so much to unpack in this text all about the spiritual master. Yes. And when I first read the Gita, I was like, I don't know what a spiritual master is. I don't know what a guru (laughs) is. I don't know how to find him. Like, so we're going to talk about all of that stuff in this, um, in this purport. And um, we'll we'll go through the purport for us. And then I think it'd be cool if we talk about our own 
personal stories of like how yeah. we actually found yeah. our own spiritual masters. I think because like, that's a journey. That's yeah, a journey. Priya has a little bit of a definition, right? Yeah. Um, if you guys have ever heard of the Nectar of Instruction, yes. it's another book mm-hmm. by Trila Prabhupada. And on text one, it kind of qualifies what a spiritual guru, spiritual master is supposed to be. Ooh, okay. Um, I think this is really important because we see the word guru a lot out there. Yes. Um, we've also seen a lot of like these problematic cults that have gurus. <laughs> yes. We've also seen a lot of people trying to lead others. And it's important to understand like who we're following and what qualifications they should yes. have. Right? What are the characteristics of a good guru? Yeah, of yeah. someone you would actually trust to guide you in the spiritual process, yes. right? So here it says a sober person, a guru is a sober person who can tolerate the urge to speak, mm. the mind's demands, the actions of anger, and the urges of the tongue, belly, and generals. Interesting. Is qualified to make disciples all over the world. Can so we go through basi- that a little bit once? But like, like, right, you can go through it again. She's basically yes, 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 laying yes. out the things Here that the our things. body kind of governs us. These urges, these the primal urges of the senses, yeah. the, the sexual drives, all of these things that people normally are just totally overcome by and have no control. A yes. guru has perfectly attained full control of yes. his body and yeah. senses. And, I mean, and if you think about it, like a, a, all priests should mm. be celibate. Yeah, they should right. all be controlled. Like these are all the things yeah. that qualities that we Let's see. Let's go through this so like yeah, line sure. by line. Okay, so a sober person, a sober person, meaning they're not like, intoxicated. Well, no. yeah, but that's, <laughs> that, that could no. be one interpretation. But sober is kind of like <clears throat> you know how you say like, oh, this event was sobering. It's like kind of like it's a mentality. Yes, it's. A, I mean, we can look up the definition, but I think it's like aligned with equipoise, right? Like they're kind of balanced. They're grounded. No right. matter whether they are like there are they have good days or there are bad days, right. they can remain calm. Right. They can remain equipoised. You won't see maybe a spiritual master when something goes well, he's not gonna go completely crazy out of his mind with happiness. And when something doesn't go well, he's not gonna be lamenting and crying. He's yeah. sober. Yeah. It's it means uh serious, sensible, solemn. Yeah. Ah, okay. So okay. like Serious. serious. Oh, let's just use serious. And also not intoxicated too. That's a that's that that good one. That's a good one. All right. That would help. So <laughs> a serious person who can tolerate the urge to speak. Ooh. So they know when to speak and when not to. That's a really big quality, actually, Huge. because people sometimes don't know when to stop speaking. I mean, look at the internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's real. If you've never heard of the internet, please don't go. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a dangerous world. It's a dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. That's okay. a really big quality. So, uh, so we said a serious person who can tolerate the urge to speak, they can also tolerate the mind's demands. <sighs> the mind is running a million miles yeah, an the hour. The mind's like, Tell me why did this happen? I want to know, but why? But why? But why? Well, it can drive you. That crazy. eliminates all three of us as the gurus. Right <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you right <laughs> now because the mind's demands ready. are crazy. We are not at that mm-hmm. place right mm-hmm. now. But mm-hmm. if us, like a like a really serious person that is able to do that, is something that someone should should be respected. Yeah. yeah. So we got three things right now. So they're serious. They can uh, tolerate when to speak and when to not. They can tolerate their mind's demands. And then the next one is. They can tolerate the actions of anger. Oof. So they... They control their anger. They can control their anger. That's important. Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's a huge quality for a good leader. Yes. Yeah. Mm. All right. And then the urges, they can tolerate the urges of the tongue. So knowing... Eating. Knowing to not to eat too much or too little. Yeah. The belly. No, the tongue may... The, I think the tongue might be like like speaking when not Speech. to speak and whatnot. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Or belly. it might be... 
Yeah, yeah. You might yeah. be right. Anyways, belly. So eating. It's like, it's like understanding when, like, what is too much to eat yeah. and, like, not being governed, not getting hangry. You know what I mean? Not being governed <laughs> by yes. the belly. Yes. And then genitals. It's true because so, there's so many, like, cult leaders out there and, like, different leaders of different mm. organizations. You find them in, like, sex scandals and whatnot and just, like, just, like, the right. craziest things. Because at but, the end of the day, like, sex could be addicting um, Krishna says in the Gita that lust yeah. is the biggest enemy of mm. our spiritual progress, Something right? Something to control. Lust with our desires, lust with our like sen- like our genitals, like that is one of the biggest things for us to control. Yeah. And especially if like if someone who's trying to be a teacher can control all of these things, that eliminates I think 99% of the population. You the know fact know? that you just said that as like a the if you can control all of these you can be a teacher. I, it originally made me think of like a high school teacher and all those like problematic high school teachers who sleep with their students, oh, right? Oh, yes. Like a teacher, a teacher should be all these things yeah. because they're in such a position to lead others, mm-hmm. usually others who are maybe not having all the information, right? right. So it's like very important right. to have these because qualities. Because with great power, as they say, comes great responsibility. So you're going to be <laughs> a guru who is, you're going to have so many people like throwing themselves at your feet. You need to not abuse that power. So it needs to be yes. someone really pure hearted who knows how to yes. treasure everyone that comes his way and to help them flourish and yes. not take advantage of their vulnerabilities. Yeah. yeah. I remember so, this eliminates 99.9% of the population, okay? <laughs> because this is very hard list. It's very, very hard, hard list. list. So you should be very careful of how you choose your guru yeah, yeah there's there's i mean we'll we'll talk about our stories in a second but there's like in krishna consciousness there's the process of seeking shelter and it's just like you find someone that you might like and you kind of tell them that you want to explore it and in that process you're both kind of testing out whether that's the right person for each other mm. right yes whether yes, you're yes. a good fit whether they follow all these things whether they're the kind of person that you could follow mm-hmm. and serve in the way that krishna saying in text 34 and yeah. i think it's beautiful to the thought of like once you find your spiritual master knowing that this isn't an ordinary relationship like you have with a family member with a spouse whatever it's 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 eternal. The relationship with your spiritual master is eternal. It's always going to be there beyond whether they're here physically or not. And just a little tidbit, I want to share one thing my guru said, my spiritual teacher said that highlights this fact that it is an eternal relationship because I might've mentioned in previous episodes that he has terminal cancer. So I'm really internally struggling with the fact that very soon he's not going to be here. And I'm very sad about that. So over the summer, he wasn't feeling well one evening and he went into his room and I was telling my God family, which are basically the disciples, the other followers of him. I was telling them, oh, I'm sad that when I go back home, I'm not going to be around you guys and around him. And I kind of, as a joke, I was like, hello, darkness, my old friend. And then the next day I was talking to my spiritual master and my teacher. And he said, who was singing the sound of silence? And I said, oh, that, that, that was, that was me. And he's like, I thought that was you. So I kind of briefly told him why that I was sad when I had to leave. And I ended the little spiel with saying, hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) And then he looked at me really deeply in the eyes and he said, I'll come to talk to you again. And that just touched my heart so much because to me, it highlighted that these are eternal relationships. And and when he said that, I was like, oh, oh my God, you mean like in a dream or something? And he laughed and he's like, yeah, yeah. So like those relationships, these are deep. These are these, these this guru, this teacher, he's going to be there to guide you on your path back home, back to Krishna. doesn't mm. matter if he's there physically or not. It goes beyond that. Yeah. Our guru also says that too. Uh, yeah. Andrew Jimna Swami always says like, um, I'm going to make sure you go back to Krishna. Oh. I'll come back to if I have to. Like oh. it's very loving in that way. Yeah. I love that. 
All right, who wants to start? Well, should we start the story or do the purport for a second? Uh, we should do the purport oh, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, basically it starts us off with saying the path of spiritual realization. It's difficult. It's hard. So the Lord advises us, approach a bona fide spiritual master. Or basically the word bona fide is like a legit, a legit spiritual master yeah. in the line of disciplic su succession. So we talked about that before. It's like right. the idea that it should be like training from one great teacher to another, right? Mm. If all the teachers teacher, are student, following teacher, all these student. rules of like, you know, controlling the mouth, controlling like what you say, the anger, all these things, if they're able to do that and pass it on to someone else who can do that and mm. pass it on to someone else, like right. the knowledge is being kept as, as right. true to itself sacred. as it is. It's very sacred, right? Exactly. And so you want to find a teacher, not who just decided to be a teacher today. I mean, we know that, right? We, if we want to learn something and be really great at it, we'll find the person who has the most experience. Yes. Right. So and disciplic succession guarantees that that person has the knowledge, not of just themselves, but of the previous teachers. Right. Also. Yes. Because, you know, it comes from the Lord himself. Self. It says the Lord is the original spiritual master and a person in the disciplic succession can convey the message of the Lord as it is to his disciples. So no one can be spiritually realized by manufacturing his own process. Yeah. Mm. So in this case, um, Krishna is Arjuna's disciple as well as all of ours. Right. Yes. Right. He's right. the ultimate guru. Yeah. And you guys out there listening, you're also now correct, co <laughs> corrected, connected, my God, <laughs> to this disciplic succession. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we can't have any mental speculation or dry arguments on the path of righteousness by your own independent study, you need to find a spiritual teacher who can help you because if not, it's very hard to navigate on your own. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, there's a few things in this verse that are really interesting talking about the spiritual master. It says, one must be able to pass the test of a mm. spiritual master. And when he sees the genuine desire of the disciple, he automatically blesses the disciple with genuine spiritual understanding. Oh, I love that I love because that. it's mutual. It's a mutual thing. It's like, I want you to lead me. And he's like, I can see you have the desire. So I want to lead you. Into yeah, the path, right. right. That's beautiful. Right. Because just like Krishna wants us to love him with our free will, he's not going to make us the guru also. He wants to see our, our genuine desire. He's not going to force anything. And if he can see our sincerity, like Priya says, it's mutual. And I love the first line. One must be able to pass the test of the spiritual master. And since these people, you know how we had said in a previous verse that every word, every action, they're being directly inspired by Krishna or the super soul within their heart. They're being inspired. So this is Krishna is at the center of this relationship. It's mm. not just an ordinary relationship between two human beings. Krishna is in there inspiring them within their heart to connect to you in the way you need also. So since these are very elevated souls who are in direct guidance of Krishna on a moment to moment basis, Krishna's inspiring them in what to do. So that's why this line, one must be able to pass the test of the spiritual master. They're going to, there'll be different tests. We have our different like things to work on and Krishna's going to inspire them in how to engage and interact with you in the way that you need to confront the different things you need to learn. So that's why they say whether the spiritual master is giving you attention or ignoring you or talking to you in maybe a way you feel a little harsh. All of that is Krishna working through them to reach you in the exact way you need to be reached. Boom, mm. love that. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, and so for us in our practice, in our everyday lives, we could say that Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada for short, uh, came from India and he brought Krishna consciousness here. So he's like our original guru, our original connection to Krishna. And then he um, made more gurus after that. And some of those are the gurus that, um, the bhakti um, that we have today. Yes. Yeah, the modern mm -hmm. yogi, us, <laughs> that yeah. we have today. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Anyways, um, so maybe we can share a little bit of our stories. Yeah. Um, 
Shamali, I think you want to go no, first. No, I was going to say, Priya, I think you should take it. <laughs> I'll go first, guys. Okay, okay sure. Mine's, mine's short. But, and but I don't think yours is short. So here's the thing. I <laughs> rejected, when I first read the Gita, probably like 10 years ago, I rejected this whole notion of spiritual master. Because I was like, no, I don't trust a man to, or a woman. I don't trust a man because I grew up in the Hindu faith and there are a lot of different false gurus mm. that I've seen in India. They've traveled over to North America. I've witnessed some of them. And then I've heard crazy stories about them afterwards, about like them taking advantage of their disciples mm. and, and doing bad things, laundering money, like trying to buy million dollar mansions mm -mm. with all of the money that's donated to them. So I was like, no, screw this. I do not believe in any sort of man or woman who claims to know higher knowledge. I like completely rejected all of this. Right. Mm. This and was my, before you met, uh, before you were Krishna conscious? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. This, was, this was a long time, yeah, a longer time ago. And so, like, I actually, like, because of that stuff, I went through this, like, whole, like, I was this atheist, like, for a good chunk of my, mm. like, like, my young adulthood because I was like, screw this. And I, my mom used to give money to all these random gurus and stuff. And then I would Google them and just read all of these things, you know? Oh. And I was just like, no, thank you. I was like... I'm, this is not for me, right? Mm. And then I got deeper into my Christian consciousness. I like met the devotees of ISKCON, the Hare Krishna tradition. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I understand what they're saying and like they're speaking in English. It's good, but I still, I have trust they're issues. speaking in English. Yeah, <laughs> like a, a big parameter. Yeah, it's, okay. it's a big thing, yeah. right? Because what growing yeah. up, I went to Hindu temples and only they spoke like right, a language right. that I wasn't familiar with, right? So when introduced to ISKCON, I was like, okay, they're in English. I get it. Okay, cool. I get it. But I still was very wary, you know, mm. still very distrustful because of the past that I've had. And so I, I got deeper into my Krishna consciousness and I, I read like a lot of the Gita and it kept talking about how Krishna, who I value as God, who I respect as God, mm -hmm. kept talking about the importance of a guru. So I was like, oh God, if Krishna is saying <laughs> that I need to get a guru, then maybe I need to figure out who the right one is for me, mm -hmm. you know? And so like, if this was not, if Krishna never said get a guru, then I would be like, no, thanks. I'm good. You know, mm -hmm. but if Krishna is saying himself as God, that it is important to have a teacher in your life, then that's why I'm paying attention. So mm -hmm. like, I rejected this like 10, 12 years ago, but the more I dive deeper into it, I was like, okay, maybe if there's someone that I can trust, who I can do a background report on, who I can like <laughs> run a police report on, you know what I mean? <laughs> if there's someone out there that I can trust and like, and that I could feel something through their teachings, that's who I will pick. And so- I was living in Hong Kong. I did, um, I did like an exchange, um, like a university exchange and Indra Swami, who was like, um, my current guru, my, my old, my current and <laughs> Your only guru, my guru. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said current, you know what I mean? Um, but he's my guru. And so he was visiting and we, I didn't know who he was at the time at all. And he was <laughs> visiting and he was encouraging the disciples to do Harinam, which is essentially like dancing and chanting on the street so that people can hear the glories of, of, of the names of God. God, right? It's kind of like yeah. singing and dancing on the street. And he was leading all of this. And there was just something about him that I was like, oh my God, this, this guy seems like he's got it all together. He seems like the real deal. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I did what I did. I did all my background research and I tried to find out as much as, about him as possible. Cause I was like, there's something about him that is like, like a magnet a little bit where mm -hmm. I was like, I'm, I'm attracted to this, this, this being, he's got this like 
aura around him. Mm, and then yeah, when yeah. I did further research, I found he has a whole bunch of diaries that are online called The Traveling Preacher, or The Traveling Monk, right? Mm. And I read those diaries and that was it for me because <laughs> I'm a writer. I love and I appreciate good writing. Mm. And he is one of the most beautiful writers. Uh. And f- reading his writing was essentially helping me fall in love with Krishna more. And mm. that, that is the reason I chose him. I can relate so yes. much to that. Yeah. But go on. No, please. that's it. That's my story. And I was like, <laughs> literally, like I was very, I wanted a guru who was progressive, who understood the value, the liberal values that I had. And like, wait, so question, how, how many years between reading his books and becoming his disciple? Oh, legit. Like, Maybe 12, 12 <laughs> years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't like, know. Like, it's been a while. Because I did my exchange in 2010, and I got uh, initiated in um, 2022? This year. Yeah. yeah, this year, this year. <laughs> I was like, wait a yeah. second. Yeah, literally, t- like, 12 years, yeah. yeah. And so I, like, I corresponded with him. Like, I went through the right channels of, like, getting, um, like, talking to him, understanding what his values were, understanding what my values were. And mm. it just clicked and it kind of just happened from there. And so mm. coming from a place of rejecting everything to, like, understanding that, like, Krishna wants me to find a teacher and this is the teacher that helped me fall in love with Krishna, mm. that was my journey. Amazing. Yeah. I love That's that, so I love that. Perfect. All right. <laughs> you're like, move on. Pre-dash, you're like, <laughs> get the attention away from me. Pre-dash, girl. <laughs> okay. Um... So, okay, I grew up in the movement, so, and I grew up in Venezuela, and most of the devotees were new, and they were really excited. The mood in which uh, I understood, like, finding a guru was, like, everyone wanted to do it. It was the thing to do. Mm. So, I saw, you know, and so, as a, like, eight, nine-year-old, I remember approaching my mom's guru. Hmm. And I asked him to initiate me. Oh, at eight or nine? Yeah. What kind of beautiful monk life did you live in your past lives that (laughs) a nine-year-old like initiated me? I think I just saw the example of others, right? Mm. And I just I just wanted to be like everyone else. And like I think it was just like what it it almost just felt like the thing to do. Yeah. Right? Mm. It was like the right thing to do. I loved Krishna. I love, you know, like just a young kid, right? Also. And I remember he told me no, and I was so sad. And and I think that I mean, now obviously looking back, he told me no because I didn't really understand what right. it meant at eight or nine also years old. Also that could be because he wasn't your guru, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, you it's know? a very mystical Krishna's thing. plan. Krishna's plan for sure. Uh-huh. And so he he was like, well, you know, I, I think it was so silly too because I was like, he was like, are you chanting 16 rounds? And I was like, not yet. I chant like four. And he's like, okay, well then keep chanting. You know, like he was yes. very encouraging. That's really cute. I was a kid. Like I didn't. Anyways, uh, fast forward let's see, about 12 years ago. Kind of crazy, wow. maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, maybe maybe a little more, maybe like 15 years ago. Okay. Yeah, I was about 15. Uh, I was living in Houston, Texas, and um, about four swamis, four or five swamis came to visit Houston for some reason. I don't mm. know what brought them there. And there was a Jewish school, like a private school, that was visiting the temple for the day. And they took the opportunity to have all the students sit in front of a panel of gurus, right? Mm. To ask questions about Krishna consciousness. Wow. Okay. So um, I was one of the few young people in that community. And so my friend told me about it and we both sat with all these students just to like hear what was going on. Right. Because we Mm. were encouraged by the older devotees to like, oh, you're young, go, go check it out. Go like, look, Mm. and so we sat in the audience and uh, as the Jewish Jewish kids were asking questions, um, every Swami would answer. Right. Mm. And I remember, I remember 
hearing uh, Indra Swami's responses. And I was like, oh, I like that. It makes sense to me. Mm. Out of everything that was said, he spoke the most clear and the most like mm. I could understand. It, you. it was just like, wow. But I didn't know who he was at all. Mm. I had no idea his name. I had no idea anything. I was kind of a clueless kid. Yeah. Um, and so I always just remembered him. Okay. And after that, I didn't meet him or anything. I just remember I really like how he speaks. Mm. And I knew what he looked like. That was it. And then um, maybe a year later, I stumbled upon his books and I didn't know it was him. I didn't know the books were his books. It was just someone gave me a book and I was like, oh, let me check it out. It's a traveling, you know, preacher story. Let me check it out. Yeah. I cried so hard reading those stories. I felt so touched. I felt so inspired. And then I looked up the name, right? Indra Swami. Mm -hmm. And I saw the picture and it was him. And I just started crying even more. I was wow. like, oh my God, this whole time it was him. And like, I found him again. What are the chances of yeah, that, you yeah. know? Aww. And so I'm like feeling all kinds of way right now. Um, so after that, it still took about five years before I met him um, because he came to Texas again for what is now known as the Sadhusanga retreat. Right. Uh, it's a kirtan festival where people gather and they chant and it's awesome. And uh, it was the first ever one ever. Mm. And I heard that he was going to be there. So I was like, I have to go. I've never met him before. But at this point, I'm like, that's that's my guru. Like, I, I oh. just knew. I was so nervous. And like, he is a tall like he's like, he has a presence, you yes, know, he does. so it can be a little intimidating at times. And, um, I remember my friend, uh, happened to be initiated by him or was aspiring or something. So she was pushing me to talk to him and I did get a chance to talk to him and he was super loving and super encouraging. And he was like, yeah, let's, you know, like you, well, let's figure this out. And so, um, it took us a little while, but, uh, I got initiated, which is the term for like officially accepting your spiritual guru. And like following the vows um, seven years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, I got to say for me, uh, you know, we learned that I, I think for me, Indra Swami is the best representation of Srila Prabhupada that I could ever have. Mm. It reminds me of what this movement is all about. It reminds me to try to be a better person. And I think you're right. His writing style, his storytelling, it's mm, fantastic. Beautiful. His kirtans are just awesome. If you ever want to check them out. Um, I don't see him very often now, but I am still very, you know, I can hear him through his stories, mm. through his kirtans, through so many things. So anyways, um, that's how I met my girl. I love that. Yeah. What a beautiful story. I love that Priya, when you said, it, it gave me chills when you said, it, it's him. It was him all along. Yeah, that was beautiful. Because, I was shocked. <laughs> no, but I feel everyone at some point has that feeling kind of in their hearts. Krishna speaks to you because the connection's there. It's just, it takes some time or less time or depending on whatever yeah. the scenario is that you realize you have the aha moment. It's like, this is my spiritual teacher. Yeah, and For the sure. teacher comes when the disciple is ready, right. when the student is yeah. ready, right? I do got to say, and to and to make it a fair, because I think we we all three of us have like really awesome stories in which we felt deeply. Yes. But I, I, I know so many people whose relationship was a little bit different. And if you don't right. mind me sharing, it was, it was more so that there happened to be a guru in the area in which they lived who always checked in on them or supported right. them spiritually. It might have not been like they found them and said, Wow. Right. But instead, the guru was always there giving support so that um, it can be a different way. Ours happened to be really awesome and inspirational, but 
But um, yeah, it, it could be many different kinds of ways. All right, Shamli. That's why I would say even sooner or later, whether it's an ima- a certain amount of time or not, you always have that feeling mm-hmm. at some point. Because it, it maybe it's someone who's been there all along that you didn't have that aha moment. But years down the road, you're like, oh, wow, it was always him then. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm just saying it's not yeah. always like, a, oh, my God, I found him. I just wanted to say that as a disclaimer in a sense of for like people who are like, well, I haven't felt that, you know, right. kind of mm-hmm. spark thing. Sometimes it's a little bit right. different and that's okay. Yep. Is there, is there time? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, have yeah time. Okay. we can do it. We can do it. Yeah, we have time. All righty. Um, well, like Priya, I was also uh, born into the movement. I lived across the street from the temple in the Dallas community. And I was always surrounded by different spiritual masters growing up. Um, whatchamacallit? Our, our solar Tarabajit producer is giving us the time to We have a good... No, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. We have five to seven minutes. Go okay, I'll, I'll, I'll make it speedy. So anyway, I, I was always surrounded by different spiritual masters growing up. I mean, my parents' spiritual master uh, used to be directly connected to doing service with Srila Prabhupada. So very like important people around that I thought, wow, I'm, I was so inspired by, but I never felt like this is my spiritual master. Right. Mm. So I always internally knew I wanted to feel something, but I just didn't know exactly what till it happened. And um, what's it called? Yeah, Kudamba Kananda Swami, who's my current spiritual master. <laughs> current. No, oh no, my God, kidding. I did the same mistake <laughs> so as John. My, my, my one and only spiritual master. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I love him. He, he never passed through the Dallas community. So I never even heard of his name. I didn't know who he was. And five years ago, it was December 2017. I had just graduated from college and I was kind of spiraling into like an existential crisis, going through a really difficult moment. And my dad had mentioned that there was a very saintly woman in the community in Dallas mother Kirti did that he told me that she was acting like almost like a spiritual auntie for the Dallas devotees even though she wasn't physically present that she was kind of guiding them so I thought okay that that stuck in my mind so for some reason it was beginning of December 2017 one night I decided to deeply pray to her for guidance like please show me the path I'm, I, I felt confused I was going through a lot of different internal emotions and uh, I felt through almost like a I don't know a lucid dream or, or something I felt she led me to Gadamba Swami, who, like I said, up until that point, I'd never even heard of his name or I wow. didn't know who he was. Mm. And I opened my laptop and the first video that pops up on YouTube is a Kirtan by Kadamba Swami, And I just clicked it and that was the first time I ever saw him. And I just was transported. I stared at the hours long Kirtan, <laughs> totally like, oh my God, transfixed. And I was crying. And the second it ended, I created a WhatsApp group with my parents titled My Spiritual Master. And I sent them a screenshot of him. And I felt like, I don't know, it all clicked. And I started, I felt I have to find this person. So I looked up who he was and it popped up an article about uh, his cancer coming back. And I meet, that was the first article I had read wow. about him. And I immediately started crying and crying. That was then? That was back then, five years ago. Oh, wow. And yeah, full circle back around when we finally, five years later, were able to connect in person. It was under the same circumstance, which I, I thought was interesting because his right. cancer came back again. So anyway, five years ago, I that night when I first found the video of him, I was crying. I, I don't know, Priya, I love the feelings you described because I felt the same way. I felt like a direct lifeline has been connecting me Mm. to Krishna. And I've never felt this in my life before. And I typed a super emotion filled email to him uh, expressing all of my sentiments. And I felt like nothing else is real. This is the most real feeling I've ever had in my entire life. And I never, ever want to forget this or want my mind to get in the way of this feeling. I was, I was shaking and I typed the email 
that, you know what? I never sent it. For some reason, <laughs> five years passed and it stayed sitting in my inbox. In your drafts. In my drafts. And every one of those five years, something intense happened. Like the car accident was one of them. Something big every five, every of those five years to the point where when I finally, I felt like Krishna's hand guided me to the point where one of our friends said, we should all go to Sadhu Sangha. That was earlier in this year. Mm -hmm. and I was like, sure. I didn't know he was going to be there. So like that, that had all happened back in 2017. Mm -hmm. Never saw him ever again or, or whatever. Then finally, I'm at Sadhu Sangha this year, beginning of the year. 2022. And 2022. And he's there. And I saw him and it was like a light bulb went off. And all those feelings from five years ago came rushing back. And I was like, oh my God, I, this is it. This is my spiritual master. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I got back from Sadhu Sangha, I felt in my heart, this was the beginning of something. And the next Monday morning, he releases a newsletter saying this was the beginning of the end for him, that his cancer had come back, which he had overcome five years before. And I was just devastated. Mm -hmm. So I immediately booked a ticket to go to New York where I knew he was going to be there for a festival. And I saw him and there was almost like a recognition there. I felt like he saw me, he's like, oh, we, we, we need to talk. And later on, we connected and he told me, I'm, I'm willing to take this relationship as deep as you want it to go. And I knew at that point, he asked, like, he's like, you know, of my health condition. And I told him, yeah, but you know what? I feel so strongly about this that I'm all in, no matter how much time there's left, I'm a hundred percent in. Wow. And Beautiful. It, yeah, mm -hmm. it's something that you feel so deeply within that, like you guys had said, I, what you both said was key that through the guru, you feel the connection to Krishna even deeper. Yes. Yes. And I felt I came back from New York with something new in my heart that was just mine to grow and nurture and cultivate. And anyway, after that, since I'm a teacher, I have summers off and I went the summer to follow him around Europe to be closer to him and try to absorb all I can. And those were memories that I'll always, you know, Cherish. hold with me. Mm, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's now... Krishna puts in your path what you need to confront. Because I was telling the girls, I've always had a thing about death and how interesting Krishna sends me a teacher who's on his way out now. And it's making me confront a lot of my internal ah, things that I'm working with, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, I, you know, you feel such a deep, I feel such a deep love for him. And like Priya had talked about what you feel towards your spiritual master. When I see him, I, oh my God, he's amazing. He's so <laughs> in tune with the super soul within and so being guided on a moment to moment basis from Krishna in his heart. And he makes it all feel so real and mm. so tangible. Yeah. That's and real. Very special. Incredible. Thank you so much for sharing Aww. that, Shamali. And it's true. And you might not feel the same way. I know we just, all three of us just shared all of these stories and you might not be on the right path or you might not have the right timing and that's okay, right? Yeah. Everyone has their own yeah. timing of finding their own guru and their own spiritual master. I mean, all our stories tell us that it took all of us a lot of time. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it took us all quite a bit of time so, to kind of finalize the like, this is it, you know? Yeah. So, you know, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Remember. Everything will happen in time and when yeah. the student is ready the teacher will appear yeah all right well that wraps up this episode join us for the next episode where we talk about chapter four text number 35 mm. thanks right. for listening everybody tune back in next time see you later bye hello 
beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.